Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to people who want to speak more as a way to build their income and grow their business. Well, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Atkinson. You know, this podcast is where we help speakers at all levels scale their businesses. And one of the questions that I get asked most frequently is, how can I find an agent, someone that I can just hand over the sales end of things to? And I wanted to bring in a special guest who really knows this business from not only the agency side, but from all sides. She's got massive longevity. Today, we have Holly Ketchpole, who runs Speaker's Office. Welcome, Holly. Hello, Jane, and hello, listeners. I'm so happy to finally have you on the show. I'm sorry. I don't know what took me so long. Now, there is like a serious backstory here, Holly, because the first time I ever saw you, you were doing a presentation at my very first NSA conference. And I said to myself, damn, that girl rocks. I want to be a Holly Catchpole. And you became this idol. I put you up on this beautiful pedestal and I've kept you there ever since because you've been like awesome this entire time that I've known you. And we assessed that we think that was like over 30 years ago. So I'm sorry to date you, but you were then delivering a presentation for the staff on how to run your speaker's agency. That was so cool. Well, I was only four, so that was, um, you know. <laughs> I, love I love it. You know, uh, you worked with Tony Alessandra at that moment in time. Tell us a little bit kind of about what you were doing with him. Uh, so when I started, uh, well, backstory is I was with Tony for 17 years and then eventually started my own management company and then a couple years ago exceeded that. Uh, still, Tony's one of my clients and uh, a very good friend, and we've just had this stellar relationship. Mm. And at the time, I was, you know, basically managing Tony's uh, business, and then I continued to do that. So his goal was to get rid of overhead, have me take that headache over. Thank mm -hmm. you very much, Tony. But <laughs> I mean, so. It was actually the start of speaker management where we were the first of the Mohicans and it worked. I really thought back then I would just do one speaker or two speakers, maybe four speakers. So and now how many are get you? Out, how many today? Uh, well, we have 15, but we do have legends, including Tony, where they have you know, alternate sources of revenue, which they really don't want to be on the circuit like he was when I was managing him at 100 right. dates. Right. So um, we did this new shift where we have uh, our family of legends and then our family of speakers. And okay. um, so 10 active, like super active that do want to do the 100 dates. And then our legends where on demand they will speak. Very good. And and I noticed, I, I just popped over to Tony's uh, website. So it looks to me like he went along for a pretty good chunk of time doing 
huge volume of speaking. And then he started to make a shift to ancillary income and doing things that didn't require him to trade his own time for money. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that was a huge shift. And it actually, even in his own mindset, because he now actually makes more from his assessment business than he made when he was doing 100 dates a year. Wow. So <laughs> that's a that's a bit of a mind blower. <laughs> Picture hand to head and explosion happening. That's that's very cool. <laughs> that's it very is cool. spectacular. Yeah. So well, he's like it's a good example of what can happen with yes. a speaker because you just make a major shift and you know, why hit the road anymore, right? So and it does that. It does certainly get exhausting. So you and I started, I was an agent for speakers. I had changed speakers uh, over the first 15 years of my career and then kind of went into our own businesses. So we've kind of followed a career path, but you've always been my marker for excellence. And I want to say thank you for that, Holly. You're an awesome role model. Oh, thank you, Jane. (laughs) You're an awesome role model. That's why I send people your way. So we compliment each other. (laughs) Well, thank you. And we're going to have to do like a virtual glass of wine here soon. So um, (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about, okay, so we've both been in the industry for three decades. Let's just talk about what we've seen evolve and change and shift over time. What do you see as being one of the biggest changes today in 2019? Actually, this is such a good question because when I started my uh, management company, which was in 2000, I did a panel for ISB uh, at the convention. And I will never forget it because Mark French asked me to join the panel. And it was such a an exciting exclusive, not inclusive moment because I was invited to join on trends in the industry Mm -hmm. and I walked into the room and it's a moment where I just said, oh, you know, I whispered, I'm like, I'm here for, you know, can I just check in? Cause I'm going to, I'm going to be on the panel. And so like, <laughs> you didn't say I have <laughs> arrived to take my place. At the yeah. and, and I just want to explain I to just, everybody who the players are here. You said this was at IASB, which is the international association of speakers bureaus, which agencies like Holly can join people who are agents. And Mark French is of leading authorities. I just want to give a little backdrop there for everybody. So here's Holly, like, I am here, <laughs> but not like well, that. Well, well, <laughs> no. Well, it was so. It was like I my I grew up at NSA, right? So right. I'm used to a thousand to two thousand attendees. So I was just very polite, and I just like whispered, and um, you know, Mark was so sweet. So at the time, I was not a member. He just asked me to come and speak and um, on trends. Nice. So then she, I said, so where, like, do I check in here? I'm literally whispering. And she goes, oh, yeah, right here. And I go, okay, so what room am I, am I going to be in? And she goes, right here. And I go, <laughs> oh, okay. And then so I turn around and Mark is on stage and said, oh, there she is. And I was like, <laughs> oh, so I was dying because at the time they would not they 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 were so specific you can't arrive early you need this is your oh. session time but they were so ahead of schedule 
that oh, they nice. decided to start early. So I literally just dropped everything and walked right up on stage and sat in my chair. That's fine. So it's for fine. speakers, so they can... in front of like a hundred bureau owners, speakers, bureau owners, which is a showcase by the way, that most of you want to get. Well, so Rich Gibbons was there too. And he's like, whoa, that moment, we both remember it. He goes, I felt like you were like, it was a firing squad. <laughs> I know. So uh-huh. anyway, so fast awesome. forward to your question on how the industry has evolved. And oh my goodness, it has completely evolved. So the reason why I was speaking on trends is because basically it was so new to everyone. They're like, what? So luckily I had 17 years of working with all these people that there was definitely a trust yet somewhat of a concern. Like what does this mean? And so they didn't maybe really know what an agency was going to be about. And they wondered, are you going to become my competition? Is, am I, am I, uh, parlaying that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that when you are opening an agency like that and being the first one of its kind, you are treading into waters. And so it was probably very good that you had this clarity right from the get-go that you weren't going to compete with bureaus, that bureaus were going to be your partners in sale. Well, I like in retrospect, I'm very glad that I was able to uh, tread the waters first because if it was some, you know, say a bureau did it first or say, you know, somebody that the bureau world didn't know did it first, then it's like even more, oh my God, what's happening? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it still took, I mean, now seven or gosh, what are we now? uh, 19 years later, Um, it, there are so many management companies out there that I, my personally, I could barely keep up. Yeah. So obviously it is a trend that will continue. it's making sense. And, exactly. And, and the reason it will continue from my perspective is that speakers really want to hand over the piece of the puzzle that is get me the booking because most a lot of people not everybody but a lot of people feel like that isn't their strength in selling themselves what do you say to that I completely agree um I do feel I probably it's it's actually kind of funny because I had a speaker call on Friday and I sometimes I feel like I'm talking the speaker out of management yeah because you need to be very uh, okay with who you are, what you want. You want to hand this over. And sometimes it just does not work. Yeah. And letting go of so, control uh, is a big part of it, don't, wouldn't you say? Like there's a lot of control issues. Oh, completely. I mean, if you are used to hearing the phone ring and you're pinging in your inbox and responding to every single email and answering the phone calls and responding to agents the way you want to respond. And there's just so many um, nuances of management that if that's what you want, then management is not. I mean, like I, when I worked for Tony, 100% of my focus was on Tony. 
Yeah. So exactly. he had to get used to the fact that now it's not a hundred percent Tony. I mean, I do have eight employees, so I have a very good ratio, mm-hmm. but you know, we have a management company where we have one camp for everyone that we manage and it works because speakers have duplication of effort. Right. No doubt. Like every one of them has, okay, we have an office. We, have, I mean, back then we had fax machines and telephone bills and I mean, just this endless. So we compartmentalize that and put it one camp for multiple speakers is, was the concept back then. One of the things that I've always, and this is kind of like a, down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but, and I don't want to go down there too far, but one of the things that I've always respected and admired about the way you and Tony ran the business was that you kept a really close eye on the numbers. And as being one of the people who isn't as good at that, uh, we all need to keep an eye on our profit and loss statement to a degree that, and, and, and the fact that you probably run your business that way is so cool. Oh, well, Tony will love this if you listen to the podcast, but <laughs> we used to call it, <laughs> we used to call it shred mode oh. and everything would, everything would be humming along. And then all of a sudden I would walk out to the team and I would say, and this was, you know, prior to speaker's office, this was Alessandra and Associates. And mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, people, Tony's in shred mode. And we're uh-huh. like, <laughs> he's cutting and slashing. <laughs> and, uh, that's really good though. And I mean, it's really good because he taught me so much and we just look line item by line item and like, really this one's out of control. What is happening? And, and <laughs> so. this is the day of reoccurring costs, right? How often do you get yourself set up on some reoccurring thing that you forget six months later that you don't even need that anymore? So there's so much, there's so much to be thinking about in that part. Okay. I want to make sure for clarity, let's say there's new speakers listening to this. They may not even understand what a management company can do for you. So let's talk about what you do for speakers and what you don't do for speakers? Well, the way I describe it for uh, typically uh, the right fit for a company like mine is somebody that does understand what a management company can do. Uh, My favorite story, Sally Hogshead, I just reminded her of this the other day where I said, I couldn't believe when in my inbox, she sent me an email and said, I've been following your career. And I said, like, I opened it and go, what? <laughs> that's like, Sally's following my career. So that's... she said, I wasn't ready, but now I am. Mm. And it's been an, an amazing fit. So that's great. That so she was ready to is... hand it over. Talk about what she was handing to you. So when I describe even to my family who does not know what I do for a living, <laughs> they think I'm a they think I'm a speaker. Yeah, mine too. I, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> so I said funny. no. I I actually stay home in my nerve center and everyone else travels, so that's mm. what I do. Beautiful. But anyway, so they have me do speeches at family uh, reunions and whatnot, <laughs> and I still laugh. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do that. But no, it's if you think about what I did for Tony, mm-hmm. and then you take 
which was everything. And then you take that and put it in a nerve center for all of the speakers that we manage. We are the office, which is why I called the company Speakers Office, because we do everything that happens in 15 different offices all over the country now is in our nerve center. So with that said, the only nuance to that is travel, because sometimes speakers are very specific on, no, I want to fly through Dallas that day. No, I want seat 2A. No, you know, there's just, so some of them want to do that themselves. We work with, yeah. All right. We work with American Express agents and. Okay. So a lead comes in. And uh, you are the ones who get the call or the email. You follow up that lead for that particular speaker and take it all the way through till the deal is closed. And then you handle all of the logistics. Hey, the client wants to have a meeting. Hey, uh, the client wants you to ship the books to here. Hey, you know, this needs to happen. All of the details, you make sure the client has everything they need from you guys, bios, uh, headshots, introductions, and AV, it's all sent out. And your, your systems probably run like a well-oiled machine. Is any of that incorrect? No, that's 100% correct because we are their office. So if they had a team in, you know, Sally's in Orlando. So if the team, my team was in Orlando, it would do, my team would do all of that because we're her office. Okay. So that's kind of yeah. a good way to describe how a manage well, how my management company works is right. we are the office and we do everything on their behalf as if we were a team working for them. And your call, that call may indeed come from a third party, Speakers Bureau, Production House, whoever, for booking that same said speaker. So you would then uh, broker the deal as if it was direct with the speaker. Am I right on that? Exactly, because we're the speaker's office. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about, I remember um, when I ran the exclusives for International Speakers Bureau in Dallas, we had maybe half a dozen exclusive speakers and we took on Joe Calloway. And I think Joe just came on board because we were buddies and he wanted to hang out with me sometimes or something. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not really sure how that happened. But anyway, he came on board with us exclusively. And what we recognized after, I don't know how long it was, say somewhere between six and 12 months, was that Joe loved the relationship building right from the get-go and he missed talking to his bureau buddies. He missed everything about the sale starting at the beginning. And so one thing for people to note is that is if that is part of your thrill, you may not be a good fit for agency work. Would you say? Have you ever had that happen in, in any of your stable, Holly? Uh, I did not have it because I'm so crazy sensitive to that, that I coach coach them through it because if they want hands on, then we kind of work through it. But with that said, if you are very busy 
and you're on a plane, Mm -hmm. you cannot respond. Well, now you can actually, it's a little more available as far as, you know, Wi-Fi on planes. But if you can't, like your inbox is exploding and you need help. So there's a very good balance to still being in touch and having a team at the same time. And that's what I navigate towards like never making a bureau feel like they're not in touch and letting the speaker do what they do best as far as like, Hey, let me throw in this little tidbit to help the state. Or so there's never, there's never a wall between the speaker, the bureau, the client. It's just all of us together making it happen. Okay. Fair enough. So one of the things I think can be a mistake is getting involved with uh, someone who says, so the majority of my clients or people in my world aren't with an agency like yourselves, big, established, know exactly what they're doing. They will meet somebody on a plane or at church or somewhere and they'll have an agreement with some individual, hey, well, I can book you for that. And they'll take on like a singular agent who may or may not know the business. And I see that relationship failing more than succeeding. And you and Tony had a marriage made in heaven you know, I'm sure like a marriage, it had its bumps, bumps. I had the same thing with some of the speakers that I worked with, but don't you think that it's really hard to find that match? Oh, 100%. I mean, Tony and I were like an old married couple. I mean, (laughs) we, I mean, we argue, then we hug and then we (laughs) disagree, agree. I mean, it's, I mean, it's funny. People just watch us and Um, I have the same thing with Rich Gibbons. Like he's my, my work husband and it's just, (laughs) he's your boo. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, mean, people say it without actually knowing that we really are. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's nice nice to have those relationships. And I just met up with Peter Legg who, uh, you know, that I managed at one point and it's just like going home when you hang out with somebody that you spent that much time with and it's a really special relationship, but why do you think it fails so often? I do think, especially with the number of management companies that are popping up that they feel like, Oh, I could do that. Mm -hmm. They don't realize the experience involves the level of details. And for me being an advocate, uh, my team were always an advocate for the speaker, for the bureau. I mean, it's like, and the client. So it's a trio of making it all happen, but not fighting one way or the other. I definitely do not focus on money. Mm-hmm. It's we're, a company that's build it and it will come. Don't focus on percentages. It's more the relationship and the end result and all the kudos that come in. And so there's a lot of that that needs to go into a speaker that is up and coming and that is considering management because when they call us, which believe me, we get a lot of calls. I don't know. I think we... Yeah, um, we have an Excel chart that we just chart it, and we're not going to turn a new speaker. We send them to you first. Like, no, 
you go to Jane and then you come to us when you're learn, ready. Learn so. the business. Yeah. Well, let, uh, let's talk about that. And, and just to finish up and wrap up what we were just saying, I think the reason why they, uh, it fails is because the p- person being hired doesn't know the industry. I think it's because it's hard to get your kind of first sale. If you're saying, here's all my stuff, go and sell me, you have to really nurture that first sale, get them a win, and make sure that you're really training heavily on the front end so that they really understand how to sell this particular thing. Because selling speakers is not easy, don't you think? Oh my gosh, completely. I mean, even I used to joke with all the speakers that would hire like, oh my gosh, I have the best admin marketing person. Mm -hmm. And then it would turn, then a year would pass. And I said, oh my gosh, don't let them go. Like that was that learning curve right there. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, they're not doing anything. There's no dates coming in. And then they would let that person go. And then all of a sudden, it would all come to fruition, but now she's he or she is gone. Gone, yeah. So this is a long, this is a long-term business. And actually, what I really like to advise is that people hire not necessarily for the sale, but for the research and the heavy lifting part of the sale that gets you in front of the buyer. Because really, I think that you should be the person who can sell yourself the best. And if you're not, you need to learn to be. Oh, one, uh, that's how I learned from Tony. We sat in the same office, kind of like uh, how WSB did it, where Harry and Bernie were in one open space. I just listened to Tony. Mm-hmm. He's the quintessential salesperson. Yeah. So I was like, when I would say things, I was like, oh my God, I'm like Tony right now. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're channeling Tony. <laughs> Who is the sales yeah, guy? So. Well, that's really good. You learned from the king. That's really good, and uh, I think that that's something that's important for the the relationship to be successful. You need to know the first, and the first sale is to yourself. If you don't believe in what you've got, then we, that's an that's a a foundational problem that needs to be fixed for sure. But then. Um, I think maybe hiring kind of administratively and then adding more to the mix with that person as they understand you and grow. Hey, would you mind, you know, reaching out to some people and seeing if we can get uh, a meeting teed up? Maybe that's the next thing. Like do it in smaller chunks. I think handing your business over to somebody else and expecting them to solve all your problems quickly, it just doesn't happen. This is a long-term business. Oh, 100%. I mean, even Tony asked me, he said, if you were to give a speaker up and coming um, one piece of advice, what would it be? And I said, don't quit your day job. Mm, It is good. If you can do them side by side, have speaking as a side hustle for a period of time until you just can't manage it all anymore. I think that's really good. And I have a few clients, Jacob Green, who is just an amazing, amazing speaker. He's going to be, he's he's going to be big, big, big. Um, but he's just kind of, I think he's got five kids. So he's kind of hanging on to the day job for a little bit longer than maybe uh, he wants to. And then once he's released to the wild, it'll be all 
all bets are off. So I, I say kudos to Jacob. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about, because you've had such great relationships with speakers bureaus, and I know that is just an absolute key to the success of speakers offices, your relationships with people. Um, Let's talk about what people should be thinking about in order to get in front of speakers bureaus, just from a general standpoint. Uh, what would be your advice to people who say they want more speakers bookings, uh, bureau bookings? Well, this is always, I mean, especially now more than ever, because I know how my inbox, my voicemail, my Facebook, my LinkedIn, my, I mean, yes. it's just endless. Yes. So uh, it, you need to be very targeted. And if I get one more unsolicited book, like mm -hmm. I look at these packages and, you know, people are spending like 50 bucks to send me a book and I have no idea who this person is. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm getting it is because they're targeting the ISB member list, right. which is now, um, now it's being differentiated by management companies and bureaus, but it, we don't even know when we get an email, we're like, do you think? for a bureau like what's happening yeah people don't know and they do that to me too I don't even know how I get on their radar they think I'm a bureau or an agent and they do the old show up and throw up and they send me a you know five paragraph letter with all these attachments and what I'm thinking in my mind but I don't say it back to them but maybe I should do it in a polite way um, is if this is your approach to bureaus, it's not going to work. It's, it's bad <laughs> because yeah, that's, it, it's, it, it, it's a very, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not going yeah. to work. I mean, you need to establish that there's even a need for what you're offering before you give me pages and pages and pages of stuff. And so I think that um, I, I understand where you're coming from, but only to a small, much, much smaller degree. And, uh, but the, there are probably people who are good. So let's just talk about one of the things let's advise new speakers to do is really go ahead and just build your own business, go out and get the business well, yourself because that's there, there's no better way to get a bureau's eye. You're so right, Jane, because remember, uh, you had me write a chapter and then you did the 2.0 updated. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the chapter that I wrote, which was for bureaus. Mm -hmm. And I said, not for bureaus, it was for speakers that want to work with bureaus. Mm -hmm. And I reread it to see what I wanted to modify. And I said, you know what? It's still spot on. It I mean, it's, it's it do not, do, it totally stands. It like, do not waste your money. Do not like blanket the entire bureau industry because it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, build it and it will come and target who, like if you're in an uh, industry and you're, you just did an event, the keynote was booked by a bureau say, Hey, you could have booked me too. I mean, there's yeah. like so many very targeted approaches that work yeah. so much better. 
Yeah. So how, and, and like you said, targeted. So maybe if you're a healthcare speaker, you make sure you're on Joe Cavender's radar. If you're an insurance speaker, you make sure you're on Diane Goodman's radar. There are some very industry specific bureaus. That's not all they, that uh, Diane, for instance, does, but um, it's good to know that. The other thing that needs to be ready, and this may disqualify your approach anyway, is you need to have a solid fee. Probably, what would you say, over 7,500 at least, or over 10, or where do you think the minimum is? For management? For, no, for a bureau to to consider. Oh, for a bureau. Yeah, I mean, I do think at least over 75, if yeah. not 10, mm-hmm. because if you think about the margin, the commission, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, there's, you know, everyone needs to make it worth their while and exactly. pay attention to the bottom line. And, and this is something so, yeah. people don't necessarily know, but um, let's say you're a $10,000 speaker. The, the Bureau will then make, if they charge 25%, they'll get a 25% commission. And then the Bureau will then split that somehow between the Bureau operating fund and the agent. And if you're down in the $5,000 mark, then that's just not enough to split. And that's why the average bookings for bureau, we've seen them go up and up and up. And a lot of bureaus, their average booking is around 15K. Uh, The other thing, Holly, that I think is imperative is that you have some really good solid speaking footage. What do you think about that? A video? Oh, it's like, don't even go down this path if you don't have it. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you think you want to speak on because if there's no footage, it's not going to happen. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So in terms of when you're ready for an agent, most of the agents at your caliber are kind of looking at speakers who are, talk to me about number of engagements a year and what kind of fee kind of Bought, what's your minimum fee that you might look at a speaker and how many engagements would they be, be desiring a year? Like 75 gigs a year at 15 K plus something like that. A uh, good question. Our, um, what we decided we have speakers that are all in the 500 K camp. Okay. So, so they're earning that per year plus. 500K plus? Right. 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 So it could be broken down in lots of different ways then. So that really helps to define if you're not in the 500K plus range, then you're not necessarily a good candidate for speaker's office. There may be other agencies who don't have that, but... uh, But that's that's a really good way to say, okay, that this is our barrier to getting in, to entry. (laughs) Well, and then with that said, though, I mean, there have been a little, you know, there's a few gems that were just, you know what, this is something we, it's a diamond in the rough, and we are, like, targeting this for sure, and it's worked out, but we are definitely more slow and methodical on our approach, because that's why we use family, so we don't have speakers that say, hey, you know what, let's just see if this works out it's that's not how we roll we are our tenure with all of our speakers my employees have been with me 15 years each it's it's 
a lot. So we are so invested and we want the speaker to also be that invested. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's just take a look at, um, we've talked about when you're kind of ready for an agent. And I think, I think, can we say something like, let's say you are over 500K uh, in your an- annual gross revenue and you are losing business because you cannot keep up with the leads. Would you say that's a good time to be thinking about uh, handing it over to an agent? Oh, 100%. I mean, there is so much follow-up that goes. I have a system that is like crazy good that tracks everything Mm -hmm. and a speaker just can't track that. Like if it doesn't book, I'm sure it goes into the, the abyss and it's never Mm -hmm. like, they don't know who that person was anymore. They, you know, weren't available for a date, but then they are the next year. And so my team tracks all of that, puts it back in the system, even with bureaus, like, Oh my gosh, so sorry you know, Carrie wasn't available. Let's do it next year. And so we have a system in place for all of that. Awesome. Let's talk about systems for a second, because I think from a scalability standpoint to go from say 150 to 500 systems are going to be critical to that working. What do you guys use for a CRM? Do you have something that was built for you custom? Uh, Yes, I took over what Tony and I developed together in FileMaker Pro, and then I augmented it into a system that um, we can toggle between every single speaker. Mm. So it's crazy the knowledge that I have where I can even say to a bureau, I'm like, GMAC, which is Gary McManus at Kepler, I'm like, Remember you recommended so and so on X date and <laughs> he's like, How do you know that? So, yeah. Wow. So your CRM is so, so strong and robust. And and uh, if you are just starting out, you really want to be thinking about that. We have a CRM that we recommend for speakers that you know you can track this type of thing. And it's uh, speakerlauncher.com forward slash karma with a K, K-A-R-M-A. We like uh, karma for speakers, CRM. And um, I we did a, uh, actually we should throw it up on there. We did a, uh, like a demonstration webinar to show everybody the power of it. You can see how much is in the pipeline, which is really awesome. And you can really track some really solid things. I suspect yours is uh, quite a bit ro- more robust than that, but systems is the but point. No, right? But no, oh my gosh, for sure. And Jane, because you're offering that, because I tell not only speakers in general, but my team, and they are so over me saying this, that we're professional information gatherers. Mm. Like, every event, like it's not over when it's over. This is just the beginning. So track it. Track it. And so let's talk about what your outbound approach is just to inspire people who might not be doing that much outbound on their own behalf. What would you guys be doing for any given speaker? 
Well, so outbound, we completely depend on our bureau arm as our outbound sales force. Okay. Like 100%. So we have all of that. And then we also have anything that's happening internal. Um, Obviously, we get our own internal leads, which is a big shift, you know, fast forwarding from 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is something because we're tracking it. I mean, obviously if they're calling us, they are not a client of the bureau, mm-hmm. but we also track it where any, I mean, we have so many leads that we just, you know, keep, uh, re like giving it back to the bureau because we we have so much Intel. Mm-hmm. Whereas, oh my gosh, Tim Massey booked this five years ago or, I mean, we just have all of that to um, make sure that we're tracking all the data and giving it where it should go. I love it. I love it. So um, if you had a direct client, though, you would be circling back to them year two, year three, year four, because not only could they maybe bring that first speaker back, but then you might be able to book other, other one of your speakers with them, right? Yeah, so we definitely, there's certain people, I mean, personally, I don't really do as much sales as I was doing, but I have a handful of, they just keep coming back because they just like that relationship. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw it to a bureau. I said, you know what, we can't help them. Please book this one. And then, but then they'll keep coming back and just say, okay, that was perfect. You know, let's do the next one. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Oh, well, Holly Catchpole, I want to say thank you so much for uh, really providing such inside insight into what goes on. How can we book, um, how can we figure out our agent relationship? How can we figure out our bureau relationship? You have just been a tremendous source of wisdom for me for 30 plus years. And I want to say thank you for that. And thank you for coming on the show today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Jane. We'll put you, uh, we'll put your uh, w- website in the show notes, and I will say to speakers, please listen to that 500K. <laughs> uh, don't, don't reach out to Holly if you're not at the mark that she's looking for. If you're not doing half a million dollars in a year in business, or you don't have your and, or you don't have uh, you know strong website video, all of that good stuff, um, come on. She's going to send you back to us anyway. So come on over to us and see if we can help you uh, get that part straight. Yes. Ducks in a row for sure. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for Holly, uh, for being here and I'm excited to uh, catch up with you next time I see you. For those of you listening in, um, thank you, Wealthy Speakers, for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating. Please give us a review. And make sure you're subscribing to whatever channel, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, in order to not miss the cool things that we have coming down the pike. And let me tell you, 2019 has got a lot of cool people. All right. We'll see you soon, Wealthy Speakers. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to The Wealthy Speaker Show. Please visit speakerlauncher.com for your free Wealthy Speaker audit and visit 
speakerlauncher.com forward slash podcast for show notes and many more resources to help you catapult your speaking business. See you soon, wealthy speakers.